This is the bubble. He is Mike Bonner. I am Montana Samuels. And I think I speak for both of us in saying that we have finally gotten some sleep. Right, Mike? I don't think I would ever allow you to speak for me, but <laughs> I, I have gotten some sleep. Yeah, it was a uh, we covered elections on Tuesday night, like a lot of our journalistic colleagues across the industry. And uh, it was a late night for me. I think I was probably up till like one thirty, two o'clock. I don't know about yourself, but I was up, but I wasn't working until then. I don't yeah. know if you were working that late. Uh, I had a pretty smooth election night. Yeah, I, I was probably up working until around midnight. And then I finally sat down to eat dinner once I got home around like one o'clock. See, I, I, again, you're talking to a person who covered sports for like seven years. So this doesn't really election matter. night was like every Friday ever. And then Saturdays and so, this don't, don't let yawn. this sound like a complaint. I, I, I'm not I'm letting, I'm not, you can complain all you want, but Hey, I, we had compl- pizza. I was complaining. Who had pizza? The standard times it's election pizza. I, I should have a Twitter it. handle election pizza. I didn't get any pizza. Unbelievable. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> So Tuesday into Wednesday uh, across the political landscape was pretty interesting. Um, early numbers are showing that there was a relatively, we should say, large turnout in comparison to years past. Um, let, let's see here. I pulled them up and then I uh, completely. This is what happens when Montana drives. Where's our fact checker? Um, the uh, U.S. News and World Report is showing that 31% of vote- voters age 18 to 29 showed out. That's a 10% increase than 2014. Uh, similar numbers have shown just across demographics. Um, the Times is reporting that more than 113 million people voted, which is around 48% of eligible voters, um, up 83 million votes. Um, in 2014, uh, we were talking yesterday and we sort of came up with a couple of factors aside from the obvious ones of just being a really divisive political environment. Um, social media being one of those things, but Mike, what, what did you point to as a reason why some of your peers or just people in general voted this time around as opposed to not in other elections? Well, I spoke to a bunch of people at the polls, uh, some my age, some older, some younger, and the... Ballot questions mm-hmm. brought people out to the polls, specifically ballot question one, which was the nurses, and yep. three, which was the transgender uh, yep. protection law. And then I think on top of that, it was Donald Trump, yeah. whether voting for it, like voting to show that you support him mm-hmm. or voting against him. And I actually had a couple people laugh in my face when I asked why what did you think of the administration and one person laughed and was like are you kidding me it's the worst ever and then one kind of laughed and said uh it's he's doing an amazing job right right so i think it was like him hate him you were going to the polls because of him absolutely i think it was just sort of indicative of sort of the fandom it's like sports teams at this point i've said that a long 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 time yeah well i i think this time around it's even more so though right like I, I think, think the so last you, two years has very much been yeah, sports, sports fandom, teams, yeah. cheering for the, laundry rather than people. This administration in particular. Um, but I think we're sort of in an interesting climate as it comes to Massachusetts, just because the South Coast is a little more balanced uh, than the rest of the state. I know a Kushnet voted 
I th- like they voted against Warren, which I think was one of the few towns in Bristol County to do so. And then they also voted against uh, ballot question number three, which was the tra- transgender rights. That one was a slim margin, but still, I think it was maybe the only town that um, I, voted against it. Yeah, I think uh, I saw a tweet, I believe, by Daniel Dale, a uh, mm. reporter for Toronto. Toronto. Uh, and he he pointed out the interesting thing that I find in Massachusetts is the nation's most popular governor is a Republican from Massachusetts. Right. Uh, so I do think that's where the state kind of bucks the trend of the rest of the country. The one you know surprising thing that I uh, spoke with a, a woman who told me uh, the reason she came out two reasons: one to vote to protect the question three mm-hmm. uh, in support of protecting the law and then number two was to vote for charlie baker to keep him in office okay and how many states across the country where you would say you're voting you want to go to the polls to vote for a protection of trans transgender rights law and, and a, republican a republican governor that's in, yeah that's really interesting yeah that's sort of i i maybe then massachusetts just Governor Baker being the exception is that's pretty much I think that's maybe one of the only states where people crossed party lines on the on their ballot box right like I, I don't think that happened I don't have where's our fact checker someone <laughs> we're gonna start a GoFundMe for a fact checker but I I doubt that one that could happened. just prepare for the podcast too well, but yeah I didn't know we were gonna go here Mike <laughs> Um, yeah, I doubt that. It just doesn't seem like that's an environment where that happened very often. It seems like you vote pretty much down the line in this election. Well, Montana had a Democratic uh, senator elected, and I think they went uh, – an incumbent, I believe, held his spot, and they went 20-plus points for Trump in the uh, 16 election. So I think it happens. Right. Uh, but that was the incumbent, though, right? So the incumbent. I believe so. Yeah. But still, yeah, it's it, 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 just to that point of – kind of straddling straddling the line back and forth yeah um i I don't think it's as it it depends where you're coming from but even we saw texas go uh some areas go very much blue and yet ted cruz uh held his spot there so i think it kind of goes back and forth it depends uh the person the race and i think that's something where we look at like where, what this means, you know, what, mm-hmm. as we move on, okay, what is 2020 or what does 2018 mean for 2020? And I think you're always looking at the Republicans will obviously have Donald Trump running for president reelection. Sure. And then, so what candidates, what do the Democrats kind of bring to the table with yeah. no one really, I mean, the Washington Post just had a story today of 15 potential candidates ranked, but there's still 15. Was Beto O'Rourke to, on that list? He was. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, I figured, yeah. But it was, it was a very rough risk. Michael Avanti was also on the list at number 14. Okay. <laughs> uh, and they said, yes, I understand. I hate myself for putting him there. But, uh, but I think the, the key coming out uh, was a, a Beto O'Rourke type of person where it's a genuine selling himself him or herself Mm -hmm. and just that feeling of genuineness which i think you see in a lot of the people who were elected there's a sense of they're running on themselves rather than anti someone else yes it's interesting you say that though because you could argue that the three candidates who exemplify that type of 
mentality most, uh, Abrams, Gillum, and Beto O'Rourke all lost, right? Sure. And I getting getting back to your original point though of like who who now will the Democratic Party decide is best for their strategy for 2020? I've heard a lot of people say that they might use that like certain like party line Democrats, like maybe a more classic guy like Joe Biden will use those losses to exemplify, hey, maybe we do need sort of like a a, a moderate, like a more mushy sort of middle ground moderate that won't be so divisive. <laughs> but I, I think it'd be interesting. I, to, like the ra- those races were so close and they could have been such a blowout, specifically, I think, Georgia and Texas. That it would be strange to see the Democratic Party go so far away from what I, clearly young voters are coming out to vote for. See, I I, I agree, but then I, I don't know how much policy and progressiveness and that, that helps for young voters and such. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, you're connecting with all voters is just genuine. And you may not, like, you got to run your race. And by that, I mean running yourself. You know, you, you. Oh, sure. And I think that will connect because there's only, there's only two candidates for president, anyways. It's not like, yeah. and while there's a host of other things, whoever runs, I think it's just be you. Because I remember uh, a lot of polling and discussion about Bernie Sanders in 2016, mm-hmm. who had far more progressive liberal views than Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. I heard a lot of Republicans say, you know what, I don't like a lot of what he says, but you know, I kind of at least respect him because they truly believe that he was speaking for what he believed in. Now, sure, you can, not getting into whether Hillary Clinton was lying or not lying or whatever, but there was a sense that he was more genuine than she was. Or she was like the, she was handling it in like the New England right. Patriot. Right, and I, I think that's just something that you look at a, a Beto O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. Yes, he lost, but Cursed he... Cursed on stage. He lost, he did. <laughs> and again, that's just being himself. Some people are going to hate him for that, but you might as well... Do what you want. I, coming from a sports background, I spoke oh, with a yeah. no. I, you spoke yeah, with a head yeah. coach before, and he said, "You're you might as well do it your way rather mm-hmm. than doing something that you don't want to do. And then if you if it, if it fails, yeah, you're always going to look back and think, well, what if I just did it my way? Yeah. Well, and I think I think too. I, I totally agree with the point you're making. I think you need this like sort of electric personality. Um, as it turns out, Democrats have not been doing well when they don't run a person with that personality, right? Like the last, it built. I would say Clinton had that type of personality. Obama had that type of personality. Uh, I would say John it goes both Kerry ways. certainly did not have that personality, uh, nor did uh, Hillary Clinton. I think um, it goes both ways. I mean, George Bush had a person. George uh, Bush was, was George Bush an electric personality. He was the guy, but. I think, and that's where I think you're you're missing the point of you don't need electric personality. You need someone who someone can say, "Yeah, that's a good dude." And now, electric personality helps, but people would say, "What do they always say about George W. Bush? He's a guy that you can have a beer with. He's a guy that <laughs> you're laughing, but it's the truth. He sure, won sure. twice. No, I think no, that, he won twice. That that is against John Kerry and Al Gore. <laughs> he's he won." I think that matters where you look at, just look at the Texas race. There are a lot of Republicans voting saying, yeah, I did because he was a, he was a Republican and maybe I don't necessarily like him. That's what I've seen in some of the 
the news and when they're interviewing Cruz voters. But I think just being a genuine person with the way politics, the situation rate is right now, I think people just want someone that they can at least say, hey, you know what? That person's at least no, I to- a good I person. No, I totally agree with you. And then I- if you're an electric, I think it goes hand in hand because if you're up there you know, just talking to talk and, you know, pushing this boxed agenda that's all shined and polished, you can't get into that. Whereas if maybe someone isn't the greatest public speaker or Mm. maybe doesn't have that uh, Obama shine that can just, you know, motivate a room. But if you're saying the right things and people believe in you, I think that speech can, you know, look better than it actually is. Yeah. So where does Donald Trump fit into that mold for you then? Because Donald Trump objectively... He not, has the electric a... thing. He goes so out and he you're has... You're saying it can be one or the other, and in rare cases, both. I think, yeah. Well, I think when you mentioned wh- why do... You have to motivate people. He motivates oh, sure. people. He mo- yeah, he certainly did. I think, um, to me, the... Where Beto O'Rourke really took off mm-hmm. was his Colin Kaepernick question response. Mm-hmm. That was where he. Yep. Sh- and when you think of that, it wasn't him rah rah cheering. It was he's just articulating a point, right? Really, yeah. And that's what I mean. Where I don't think you need to have this rah rah. You know, Coach Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights screaming in your face. Sure, um, you can have be articulate and to your point. And if you're a politician, you need to have some you know, animation in your voice. Sure, which is... But that's all I'm saying, where as long as you're articulating your point, as you said very well, articulating your point in a positive manner, um, you're going to motivate people to come out for you, whereas sure. Donald Trump is motivating people through rah-rah cheering rallies. I think you can do it in, two, in both ways. De- depending on what party, right? Like, democratically speaking, I don't, I'm not quite sure if that mentality works for that party, right? Like, I'm not sure a Donald Trump-type figure who's just very oppositional and almost contrarian would work very well in the Democratic Party, which has sold and sort of molded themselves as, like, we, we, we want intellect. We want, like, a melt. What about Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders, sure, he he shouted, but he wasn't coming out. But that's what I'm saying. saying but like, it wasn't. Ber- but Bernie Sanders, <laughs> but Bernie like Sanders' speech is much different than a Barack Obama speech. It's also different than a Trump speech, though, right? Right. But all I'm, that's all. Yeah, that's all I'm right. saying is I, I think I heard this point made. I think it was five thirty eight on on their politics podcast that was making it. Um, one of their reporters was saying that the Republican Party is almost post policy, right? Where it's it, it it's almost now. Here's here's the outline. Say this. Definitely never say this. Mm-hmm. But give a, give us something to go off of. Like we want a person that just represents our like American values, if you will. Which Donald Trump. It, it's very much at this point the Republican Party is Donald Trump's Republican Party, right? So it's in the mold of whatever a Donald Trump politician is, right? Well, I think I'm not necessarily saying what the speeches entail, like sure. the content of them. But I'm more so- talking about the the idea of connecting with people. But, sure, I, I agree. But I, I think it's for the Democratic Party, I think it matters a little bit more what's in the speech. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. But I, I don't think you could co- I would go say, up yeah. as a Democrat and it would be effective if you said you could walk out onto av- Avenue, insert Avenue, 
in like Columbus, Ohio here and say you could shoot someone and it would be as effective as when Donald Trump says it. Right. I, well, I don't think that John Kasich could do that too and get it. So I think it, he's, he's his true. own thing. But I do think the content isn't as – the content, That's I think my entire almost point here is the content is less important than – the, the personality the way you deliver it so and maybe the, the, who you are because when you look at um i mean look at barack obama's run in 2008 yeah. which is hope what does that mean just hope yeah he did run on things people liked that well yeah i guess you're kind of right like it was it was much less about the, the so each, are, are you candidates have obviously ideas and what they want to do but the presentation and the motivation of getting people to the polls to vote yeah. for you and that's when you look at um, 2016, people voted for Donald Trump. They didn't come to the polls to vote for Hillary Clinton. I mean, at the end of the day, it's an easy. Yeah, you have to yeah, come yeah. out and vote. So w- to get people to vote, I think it's the same. It hasn't changed. You need to motivate people. There are sure. a trillion different ways to motivate people. Tough love, you know, consoling, right. whatever, however right. that is. To me, I think it at this point in time, you need to be who you are. Now, Donald Trump is certainly being who he is. Oh, yeah. And Beto O'Rourke was being who he yep. who he is. And I think that's how you connect with people rather than trying a different way and and not trying to play into a spot where Beto O'Rourke was, hey, I'm in a, a red state. Yep. And people are like, well, hey, man, you need to like chill out. No, like I'm going to say what I want to say. Yep. I'm going to say what I believe and then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But I'm not going to morph my message just to try to gain votes, and yeah. my message would be full of lies. And Donald Trump did the same thing. He's not morphing his message no. to to try to reach out across the aisle. Well, it just seems that. Sorry to c- kind no, of no, keep no, going go on. It it's just the now those are the same. However, Beto O'Rourke's style allows for more reaching across in a way that Donald Trump's doesn't really allow that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- this sort of brings us to uh, a good place to transition. Um, one of the questions we both had, and I'm always curious after an election that seems especially motivated, right? Was the payoff enough to keep people engaged? So when we look at, like like we said, yeah. let, let's continue to piggyback off of uh, O'Rourke, Abrams, and Gillum, right? All three were sort of the big build candidates of this election. These are your and faces. And two, we don't even know the outcome yet, necessarily. Yeah, but <laughs> it doesn't look like they're right. going no, to win, Right, no, it's just funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would, it, I don't see anyone no, saying I know. there's I know. so much I know. chance. But these are your three faces of opposition to what's go, the Republican rule of government that's sure. happening right now, right? All three of those people lost. Now, you had states that shifted, right? Kansas went Democrat. Um, Ann Coulter is extremely upset by that, as is former Governor Sam Brownback. Ann Coulter tweeted, uh, Kansas is dead to me, which <laughs> I found funny. Um, but there there were other states as well that, that shifted, and they did really well in the House. I think they needed 23 seats to pick up a majority. They're predicting People are predicting somewhere between like around 35 seats, mm-hmm. which is obviously more than they needed. But when your three faces of the opposition if you will lose do vote like i haven't seen people everyday people take away the opinions of analysts and journalists and those that are like plugged into politics as job as profession i don't see people saying they're thrilled by the results like not that i don't see very many people i should say saying they're thrilled by the results 
I remember speaking with a uh, a former now. Oh, I guess he's still currently state rep, but uh, mm-hmm. he lost to uh, Chris Hendricks, uh, Bob Cazero, who was a, okay. a thirty term incumbent and he said you know it's always a good negotiation a good compromise when both sides are upset and sure. it's funny that when when I, I laughed and i smiled because a couple days ago i wasn't sure and the weird thing setting up to 2020 is there's going to be a huge number of votes anyways because it's a presidential election people vote in presidential and, elections anyways maybe the most divisive presidential potentially election. yeah um we can get to, yeah, that's a different podcast for a different time. Sure. I think a lot of how the Democrats package their, their oh, it their, depends on yeah. who they run. And um, but yes, anyways, absolutely. so we ask, okay, is there a payoff? And we're, I think that there's a payoff for both sides. I think this motivates both sides to come out and vote, and both sides can say they won, and mm-hmm. both sides can say the other side lost. Sure. If you look at the Senate, they're going to gain probably at least two seats. Yeah. Um, and hey, the, the Republicans, that is. The Republicans are, are going to gain at least two seats in, in the Senate. And then you look at the Democrats, and they can say, you know, they gained the House mm-hmm. by anywhere between like 35 and 40 seats, depending sure. on what happens. And then there's a bunch of other... You you have tangible results. You have mm-hmm. t- you took back uh, if you're a Democrat um, more governorships, um, 300 plus state legislative seats switched from Republican to Democrat. Sure, um, and then you also have I think seven state legislators switched from Republican to Democrat. But those are all numbers. You know and what I mean? We're also talk- so th- those are like what both parties can take away, right? I'm talking about the the voters, right? Like right. So that, the that's cultural landscape of so this you, does not seem to have shifted much. Those are wins losses. You know what I mean? Like if we're talking about the just the numbers of it, numbers of yeah. it. Those are wins losses that the Demo- Democrats can say, "Hey, look what we did. Look what your votes did." Because I saw a lot of. Oh, you're saying they can use it as a tactic. To That's say, what I'm okay, saying. Look what it. your votes did, and the Republicans, Republicans can say, and Trump has done this, saying, "Look, you know, we can't. We came out and campaigned. I supported these people." And they won because they embraced me. He that, he literally had a press conference. About oh, yeah, yeah. What was his his quote was like? I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially was like, "People didn't even know what the midterms were before me, and now look at it. It's pay per view television." And then, so you have that, and then just the anecdotal evidence, specifically for, uh, I don't even know if it's anecdotal, but it's much like that. Not numbers where you have a hundred women in the house for the first time. Oh, uh, so like the first openly gay governor, yeah. um, more LBGTQ people first than Muslim any. Woman. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Kansas elected a, one of the first Native American women to. I I can't remember the. My brain is still recovering. Right. No. And yeah, then even uh, I think on the Republican side they elected the first uh, I believe Korean woman to mm-hmm. to the house to the house as well. So there's a lot of ammo on both sides to oh, say, yeah. hey, look, we won. So I think actually if you're paying attention and you're in it. I think there's reason for both sides to to say, hey, that paid off. We need to come out in 2020 and vote again, which presidential elections usually have more turnout than than normal anyways. Right. Yeah, I'm just curious to see, especially with young voters coming. We we sort of talked about this a little bit, right? It seemed like no matter who was on your ballot, you were sort of voting for these. I keep coming back to these these three faces though and i i just feel like 
we hear politicians say every election cycle we need like it, it's mm-hmm. the same plea every time so at this point it doesn't really matter because people have heard it before i'm just curious to see if specifically young voters will can i i so i'm I, this is weird to be talking about the effects of 2018 as it pertains to after 2020, right? But I think the results of not only these midterms, but also the presidential election in 2020 will have a serious impact on shaping the future of voter turnout. Because if young voters, the early results are showing that young voters came out primarily Democratic, right? They voted mm-hmm specifically for Democrats oppositionally to Donald Trump and the Republican Party. You and could we say, say young 18 to 29. Is 18 to 29 young. is that demographic, yes. It, it seems as if, just culturally, I haven't seen, I've seen like three tweets that have been like, we, we came out with some good ones. I've seen a lot that were like, this has been a really tough week. Which, like, like I said, if you're plugged in, you sort of see where there were positives and negatives. And if you looked at the polling, this is what was kind of supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm just really curious to see that. So people seem down, despite there have been some progress. I think people will go out to vote in 2020, like we said, because of the candidate who's running on the Republican ticket, assumedly, unless something absolutely bonkers happens. If a similar thing were to happen on that night as compared to what happened on Tuesday and into Wednesday, I'm not sure if people like, like say the Democrats had like a really good, good results objectively throughout, but Donald Trump was reelected president. Then I'd be really curious to see if that turnout number would just fall off a cliff because if you, I just don't see a, if this was people's response to a pretty good night on Tuesday, I can't even imagine what their response would be on on that night. And I, that's like looking four years in advance, but mm-hmm. it's just sort of, I, I feel like that's kind of an early thing to keep your eye on as it pertains to future elections. I disagree. Really? Okay. And, how, and how so? I think I, I, I agree. If you, I think it's funny because walking into this podcast studio 26 minutes ago, yeah, I think I would have agreed with you. Yeah, I think I, I'm actually. You sur- talked yourself out of it. No, it's not even. I talked myself out of it. So, this is what's playing through my head. In 2016, mm-hmm. I voted in Mississippi. Right. I moved home, lived with my parents in the hometown, then moved to New Bedford, mm-hmm. and then still a year later, living in New Bedford. All that ha- basically, I'm saying all that because. That all happened in two years. Sure. So regardless of what happens, it would be crazy to think that anyone is going to vote in Texas in 2022 because Beto O'Rourke won in 2018. Like they're not going to go to the polls and be like, I, I'm going to go again because I did then. The momentum, positive nor negative, continues for two years or in this case, potentially four years. No, and I think sure. what changes too is we don't know, A, what's going to happen then, but it gets back to my original point, is we get into a lot of the always go vote, go vote, go vote, and people should vote. Mm-hmm. They 100% should vote. But it is, some of it relies on the politicians to make them vote for you. 
Oh, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? So I mean, if you, you saw have, that with Hillary if you Clinton. have, right, if you have 100, you know, there's 100 Senate seats yeah. and 100 Beto O'Rourke's, both Republican and Democrat, connecting with people in positive ways, whether, who cares what their beliefs are, but in positive manners, mm-hmm. people are going to come vote. They're going to, so I think you need to ignite the base. And by base, well, I mean Americans. Sure, I mean, obviously that's what you so that, want So that's what do, I'm but- saying, like, Regardless of the results here, if you have a solid candidate in 2022, people are going to come vote for them. If they're a bad candidate, they may not come out and vote, regardless of what happened in the previous midterms. And that's what both parties should be focused on. Not necessarily, look what happened four years ago. Look what's happening now. Because if you're worried about what's happening four years ago, you've already lost. Yeah, but that sort of ignores like precedent though, right? Like, I mean... You saw in the midterms directly following uh, Barack Obama's re-election that the, the House and Senate went to the Republicans. But it, but it always so does. Like in 2024. That was a landslide. In 2022, that, rather. Well, because it was health care and there were reasons why. Sure. I mean, people were very – he he had a lot of political but capital but and then went all in on it. But what they didn't do was run a candidate that was like, look at what just happened. Like, this is really important. Like they ran a candidate who was like, I'm not Donald Trump. Right. That didn't work very well. So the Democrats have a history of not picking the best candidates to run. Not saying I, I have no political dog in this fight. I, Hillary Clinton was a whatever candidate. She didn't win clearly. So I just, I, I think the idea that like Democrats have to pick a person with a personality that's going to ignite the base is obvious to seemingly everybody except the people in charge of the democratic party in most years. Like what does that have to do with 2022? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know. That's why I'm saying. I think these two elections together are crucial. And I don't think, but that we're talking about turnout. And exactly. So, why, so what I'm saying is, w- the question is, is this a good enough result to continue people to turn out? I'm saying one of two of these important elections already happened, and it doesn't seem like the first one went that well. To get It objectively went pretty well for Democrats in terms of how the numbers played out. I'm saying in terms of perception of the voters who aren't very active but voted in this election— I don't know if it went well enough for them to warrant... Like, I'm saying that 2020 has to go real well for there to continue to be a high turnout in 2022. Like, basically, it has to be president or bust for there for their to continue to be turnout of these demographics. That's my opinion. Uh, I, yeah, I just... I don't... I, I think that the candidates help turnout. I do. Yeah, I think, ob- but that that all plays into it, right? What if? The, let me let me frame so it. Do you, this, so let I, me frame I, it this way. Okay. If the Democrats run a Beto O'Rourke type candidate, turnout, I think both of us agree that it'll be pretty good. What if they run a Joe Biden? No, type but we're talking. But what the problem is, we're talking about 2022, sort of. Like the 2020, no, sure. the, the, the turnout's going to be great. Like, it's a presidential okay, election. So, uh, it's going to be up. You, so what I'm saying is in 2022, there's going to be no national okay, candidate. I, so what I think is it, it matters is what if Beto O'Rourke didn't run in Texas this year? So is is there 3 million Democratic votes in— Oh, so you're—well, I actually think that 
perfect. Uh, Beto O'Rourke doesn't run this year and Ted Cruz still gets elected. Let's say Donald Trump wins election in 2020. Beto O'Rourke w- runs in Texas in 2022. I'm not sure if the atmosphere is the same. I'm really not sure. No, but my point being, so everyone's talking about the turnout now. Yes. There were 3 million Democratic votes in Texas because of Beto O'Rourke, not because right. it was a Democrat. I I would say that there were 3 million vote, Democratic votes in Texas want, partially because of Beto O'Rourke, but partially because of the climate of American politics. Right? I, th- I think Partially, it, but like everyone said in the pundit, if you, I, I read a, a story that I think it was the Washington Post. If you said that he was going to lose by three percentage points, people would have said you're crazy. We'll take that any day of the week. So there, they didn't know that there were three million Democratic votes in Texas. I don't, I don't think the numbers were all that far. Were the numbers that far off from I, Beto it, 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 in the? So you're, we're talking November first. Yes, they, they weren't that far off. But when you say oh, when he start, May sure. eighteen, the numbers were hugely off. So that's sure. what I'm saying. Like if and if you go by May's number, where they're ex- predicting Cruz to. Cruise to victory. That was a bad pun. I I, did, I wasn't trying to pun. I was just, there was just a word. You know what's the other word to cruise? Uh, it, just win easily. Win easily. That's two words rather than one. Uh, anyways, but it's the not point a being, pun. the point being, yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. No, 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 no. But that's what the point being that voters came out in part, in part, but a large part because of the candidate. And we're talking about wow, oh, but he lost. So it, it it's two it's twofold. There needs to be some momentum, but there needs to be a reason for people to come out to to be passionate about somebody. And the same thing happened. Uh, I think it was in Ohio. Uh, Democrats got I think two million votes for Senate, mm-hmm. and they ended up losing. And they said previously, again in May or June, if you said Democrats are going to get two million votes mm-hmm. in that race, they're going to win easily. Sure. So people are motivated to vote for Donald Trump too. So there needs to be a oh, motivating yeah, no. factor. No, I I agree with those points you made. I think the only place we disagree is what that means for few. I, I think you're valuing the benefit of having a impactful candidate a bit more than I am in comparison to how much the climate matters. Yeah, I think, I think that, that's yeah. just where I think that's where we differ, which is totally fine. I mean, maybe maybe Beto O'Rourke's candidacy was that solid, but I think my my alternative is this, right? So Cory Booker is like a bit of an old name, but I think if Cory Booker ran in New Jersey on Tuesday, he would have had like a similar turnout to like what a Beto O'Rourke did because he's like a good candidate. He's an articulate man. Like I think he has points that people really like, but you've seen historically, like no one really raised much of a hubbub about Cory Booker, except for when he opposed Jeff Sessions during the, um, his like appointment committee. What I'm blanking on the terminology, but when he made that big stand opposing Jeff Sessions for his history of like racial sure. issues. And I, I, I just, I, I think maybe I, we can just leave it at that, right? I, I, I think where we differ is I think the climate matters an awful lot. I think, too, the, 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 the change that has happened is, and potentially maybe it is the the Trump way of campaigning, is sure. is bringing people 
stirring that crowd to come out and vote for them because you connect with that person for whatever reason. When it's we look fandom. at yeah, yeah, when yeah. we look at uh, but even the 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 first black uh, congresswoman from Massachusetts, yes. uh, Ayanna yep. Presley. She was going up against an opponent. With, they basically, she admitted, we agree like on everything. There's not really much. I wouldn't vote any different than, than he did. Sure. But she just connected with people in a different way sure. than yeah. he did. And I think, so that's, I, I think in the future, that really matters at least in, but two years that I, it's weird because my own point is two years is a long time. So maybe two years it changes and you that's said all, the climate. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just... I, I really think the if I think currently the Democratic I didn't really know this was going to be like a hyper analysis of the state of the Democratic Party when we started recording, but I really I, enjoy this part of politics. The, I do too. the idea yeah. of how, how, how one campaigns yeah. and how one creates a favorable sure. candidate. I my my thing is this right. I've listened to a lot of podcasts with political journalists and data people over the last couple of days. They seem rather high on what just happened for the democratic party right they do if you look at twitter and you just look at the or even instagram right and you see all of the people no 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 this this matters no, I, this yes, is like it all, matters of, a all bit, of the people no 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 this is like the everyday people right so all of your friends who were tagging their like i voted and it was popping up to your little story feed on instagram right those people do not feel the same way that the pundits do or the experts do those people feel a lot differently I don't hear many like political people being like, oh, tough week for Democrats. I see a lot of people who voted for the first time in a while on Tuesday being like, oh, what a tough week. That's all I'm saying. I, f- I feel like if after 2020 it's even more downtrodden, I wouldn't expect a high voter turnout in 2022. I, you lost me at Twitter and Instagram. I understand it means something, but how many people go to Instagram saying, wow, what great things happened today? I mean, or if Twitter. the Democrats would have won the Senate, a lot of people would have went to... <laughs> right. Well, if we also won the lottery, you'd be super pumped too. Yeah, but the difference being if I if you win $15 on the lottery, you would also take to Twitter being really excited. Right. But if we were if the Democrats winning the Senate wasn't winning 15 bucks, it was probably winning... Well, the Democrats winning the House million. should have been at least 15 bucks. It, well, yeah. It, no, I think, I think it's it, it's that, you know... When you win, you're in the Super Bowl, right? And yeah. you lose the game. Then morning after sucks. Yeah, but, but they then didn't when you lose but the then game. no, but then <laughs> right, but when you when you put all your ba- all your eggs in one basket, you're hoping because you're you're hoping for a Beto when you're hoping for an Abrams when you're hoping for a Gillum win, and that doesn't happen. You you want the whole thing. Well, that's you what I'm saying. You yeah. want to okay, so let's just maybe put it this way: you win the game, but you lose the MVP or your something. I don't even know, but. It wasn't a full victory. It's not. It doesn't necessarily go across um, the metaphor. But once you wake up, day three, day four, day five, and you're removed from that pain of the immediate defeat, whatever sure. you feel, you think, okay, hey, you know what? Like they do have the house. Okay, hey, you know what? Like they did switch some some uh, seats here and there. And I think it's the same. It's the same exact thing uh, for both sides. Because the Republicans are thinking the same thing, like, oh, my God. But the numbers I just read, there are a ton of numbers going against Republicans, and we don't follow those people. 
Sure. So I don't know what they're necessarily saying. My friends just happen to mostly be... I don't think they're thrilled about it. That's sort of the interesting thing, right? Is like, But then it, if both sides are upset and don't vote in 2022, then it's kind of a moot well, point. No, no, no. That's, that's the sheer difference, right? Republicans vote. I mean, that's the entire point of the discussion we're having right now, right? Is these new voters, sure, some of them came out because they supported Donald Trump, but they were probably likely to have voted for the first time in the election as well. I'd say more of them than the new voters... For the Democratic Party, I don't know about that. I've I I spoke to, and again, it's just it, it it's just as relevant as your Twitter and Instagram thing. But I spoke with one guy who hadn't voted in twenty years, and he wanted to come specifically to vote for. Donald no, Trump. sure, and, and I definitely agree that people are valuing too little the amount that Donald Trump drove out voters in the midterms. I just think, historically speaking, if we revert back to the number, so essentially, I think that that's one thing was, that has been debunked is the fact that. When people come out and vote, Democrats win. I'm not so like we people came out and vote, and oh, I it yeah, was yeah, sure. it was very much sure. like we said. Both sides can think that they won. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That yeah, that's sort of an interesting point. I I think once again we you're just a little bit more optimistic in terms of people coming out. To I'm an optimistic to guy. That's what they that's what I they think, know me. Yeah. But yeah, interesting couple of days in politics, to say the least. Uh, Mike has once again came out on top as the optimist, and I look like a total nihilist. Which I, I have one more number to speak of. Uh, it's 14 to 1. Okay. I don't know if you see this on my phone right now. Dude, no. Okay. I actually did. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. I want... <laughs> I wanted to come up with a trade, and I totally forgot. So no one knows what we're talking about, by the way. You, so you need to peeling back the that. curtain. Uh, Mike and I are playing each other in fantasy basketball. I want to be very clear. Fourteen about to one, one is the score. First. I'm currently leading him. One by. thing first. I've never played fantasy basketball before, and I feel like I've been I've been attacked. Let the excuses just. I feel like I've been attacked. No one told me what to do. Russell Westbrook's been hurt for the whole dang year. I have two guys on my injury list too. Did you just let did it. you see that I didn't play a single person who was playing a game yesterday? <laughs> just excuse. No, that's his that's DMs bad are on open. Me. His that's DMs no are open. Everyone, just tell him he's making excuses. I'll trade you Russell Westbrook for a guy on my injury, sir. Like that's yeah, a I'm, weird thing to say. I, I'm he's al- not that injured. People, I'm always open to. I'll tell you. I'll trade his backup. I have his backup. I've been really. Uh, uh, pre- uh, d- it's Dennis really Schroeder? great that I have his Dennis, backup. I know. And you're, yeah, I'm just. Reeling in those those points. Okay, we'll leave. No it one at cares that. about we our fantasy leave it team. At that this is unbelievable. I feel attacked. This has been the bubble. Uh, maybe we'll be back next week if Mike apologizes. Fourteen to one. <laughs> Hope you'll have us back if, if we are back. <laughs>